I'm Charlie Melcher, founder of the Future of Storytelling. I'm delighted to have you with me today for the FOSS podcast. Recently, I had the extraordinary pleasure of experiencing the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser and Galaxy's Edge at Disney World in Orlando, Florida. For two full days, I got to live as if I were in the Star Wars universe, drinking blue milk, honing my lightsaber skills, and helping the Resistance overcome the First Order. Surrounded by this vivid, immersive world, I wondered who comes up with all the rich details and intricate narratives that make this place feel so real. No one is better equipped to answer that question than today's guest, Margaret Carrison. Margaret is a multi-award-winning writer and creator for immersive experiences. And she's part of the team of Disney Imagineers that brought Star Wars to life. Five of the experiences that she helped to create have received themed Entertainment Association awards. And she's a frequent speaker at leading industry events and top universities. Margaret is currently a senior experiential creative lead at Airbnb, and her most recent project is her first book, Immersive Storytelling for Real and Imagined Worlds, A Writer's Guide. In it, she shares the many learnings and insights that she's gained from over a decade as a writer for immersive experiences. And I'm excited to have her share her wisdom with us as well. Please join me in welcoming Margaret Carrison. Margaret, welcome to the Future of Storytelling podcast. Thank you, Charlie. It's really great to be here. So I should start by confessing that I've just recently come back from the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser experience. So I just want to say congratulations for your role as part of all of that. Well, thank you so much, first of all. And, you know, it took a lot of various people and the whole team to really put that uh, really epic, awesome project together. So, you know, it was something that was so new and experimental, and we had no idea how the audience and the fans are going to receive it. And, you know, but first and foremost, I'm just so proud of the team for pulling it off because it really took uh, literally a whole village to do it. So it's mm-hmm. the, really the little star cruiser that could. Originally, the conceit is to create rides, but if you certainly look at, at Galaxy's Edge, you created a world. Yeah, the story of how I joined uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge was they needed a writer uh, initially to write the stories for all of the restaurants and all the retail. And in the first week that I was brought into the team, as I was listening to all of the ideas for the attractions, the rides, and everything, the entertainment, I said, this sounds like we're building a world that should speak and connect to each other. They should really speak to one another and really be integrated in a way that we've never seen before. And that includes everything from training the cast members to acknowledge each other, the guests, the characters that walk around, um, having backstories, having culture and lore and history to the planet itself. All of these things speak to 
why certain things are there and why certain characters are there. What you really immediately feel, or at least I felt, was that I was in a foreign city, right? Mm -hmm. That I had literally gone to a place that was a real place. Everything was made as authentically, as, as, as permanently as you would imagine, you know, a, an a old Italian village or something. And everything had a kind of patina of age to it and a kind of history weathered into it. That, that made it so believable. Yeah, I love that you said that because that's exactly what we drew from was our inspirations traveling. Because from the moment that you arrive to a different country, whether by you know plane, by boat, by car, immediately, immediately you feel this shift, right? In culture, in climate, in language, in traditions, in everything that you see and experience around you. And that's exactly what we want our guests, our travelers, and our passengers to feel when they walk into this space, is that they are transported into this otherworldly location that belongs in the context of this universe. So let me ask, I mean, it's massive, right? I happen to know it's 14 acres. It's such an elaborate project. What sort of team was involved? Like, give us a sense of literally the different disciplines that came together to build that. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's, uh, we have over 140 disciplines at Walt Disney Imagineering. And I, oh, my gosh, I still say we, even though I'm not at Imagineering anymore, but over 140 plus disciplines. So, Every single discipline has a hand in building any of the attractions and, you know, the worlds that Imagineering builds. Everyone from creative directors to the producers to some concept designers to engineers, you know, one of the main things that we started off with was um, a bucket list of all the things that you wanted to do in a Star Wars land. Everything from building a droid to building your own lightsaber to, of course, you know, riding and perhaps piloting the Millennium Falcon to being in the epic battle, you know, between the good and the bad, right? Dark side versus light side and trying to find ways in which we can put our guests in the middle of that action. That was something that, you know, involved so many disciplines coming together and realizing what that could mean. And it sounds like, I mean, you have this role as a writer to, traditionally, that's to literally create the narrative, right? To, to hit all the beats and to be in control of that story and to build out the characters. But it's quite different when you're writing for immersive. Tell me a little bit about how you approach that differently when you're creating a immersive story world as opposed to a traditional linear narrative. Yeah, that's it is the big question, Charlie. <laughs> because, you know, they always say that the writer is king in the TV world, right? You start with a script. And same thing goes for films as well, right? You start with the script. And that's not the case for immersive storytelling. Sometimes it starts with an idea. Sometimes it starts with a cool uh, vehicle that the ride engineers dreamt up of, you know, that came up with. And they show it to the rest of the team and say, hey, we have a really cool technology. We have a really cool ride. What can we do with it? 
And then they would bring in the writers and perhaps an illustrator, concept designers, you know, um, creative directors to think about, okay, well, what is the wish fulfillment of this feeling in a ride? It makes me feel like I'm flying. What can we use, you know, to make us feel like we're flying? And, you know, if, if a ride feels bumpy, you know, how can we use that bumpy ride to tell one of our stories, looking at all of the um, various stories within the Disney um, archives and the library, right? So it, it can come from anywhere. It can come from a really cool technology. It can come from the writer as well, but it's not, I think the role of the writer in immersive storytelling in themed entertainment is one of a story champion, the advocate, the one who is has the responsibility to take the story and translate it into the various disciplines. Margaret, you did a beautiful job with your book, Immersive Storytelling for Real and Imagined Worlds. I've so enjoyed reading it. And I feel like in there, you, you have answered the question that, I'm, that I've put to you, which is basically how do you write for immersive storytelling? This, this is a book, as I can tell, it, I know you don't really sell it as a how-to, but it, it, it's as close as I've come to seeing a how-to for building immersive stories and kind of from the perspective of a writer, from your perspective. It does answer, I think, very beautifully or very, very articulately the, how one goes about writing for immersive experience. One of the things I thought was so um, on point, so, so if you will, sort of profound, was just your emphasis about creating transformation, in, in the audience, not just being aware of their, of their experience, but trying to create a kind of experience that would leave them um, transformed, different after it. How do you think about accomplishing that as a, as a writer? So when I think about how, I, how we create change in our audience, there's four, four ways, really, to increase the likelihood to feel moved and transformed. The first one I say is truth to tell an emotional story that embraces universal truths. And I think many storytellers understand this, especially writers, that no matter who you are, where you're from, there's going to be some things that we can all relate to. These stories that we're telling, we understand what love is, what it means to be jealous, to be fearful, to be envious. And how do you really draw in to that universal truth, that core universal truth that everyone can easily understand. The second one I say is to make it personal. I always think back to the uh, James Joyce quote when an interviewer had asked him, you know, why do you always write about Dublin? And he said, you know, and I paraphrase, he says, in the particular is contained the universal because Dublin is what he knows. And this is something that you know, I try to think about in every single story and project that I work on, how do you make something personal to everyone else? Maybe a different country, a different context, whatever it is, the different culture. But how do you create something that makes people feel like this is my story? And I use the example of like a personal story of, of some, something that happens in your family or someone across the street your neighbor, is going to be a lot more meaningful to you than something that happens to someone from across the world. 
So that's what I mean when I say personal. Which brings me to the third idea, which is the status quo, which is meeting your audience where they are. So, you know, when you think about um, the linear, traditional way of storytelling, you meet a character in their status quo. You understand where they are in that point in their lives, and you journey with them from the status quo of their ordinary world into the extraordinary world, right? They're making that big leap, that change into the unknown world. You know, Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser is a perfect example, is that everyone who arrives in that terminal are all coming from the same home planet, and they're going to go be, you know, um, transported into the Star Cruiser together. It doesn't matter who you are. We're telling you that you're starting out as travelers going into a star cruiser and you're going to go on this voyage, right? No matter what your affiliation or fandom or knowledge of Star Wars, it does not matter. Your status quo is that you're traveling to a different planet, to a different country, if you will. So what you're going to experience is likens to that. And finally, um, when I think about the fourth, this is something that's extremely important and something that a lot of immersive storytelling, you know, there's a missed opportunity in this, which is community, where we can create a world where visitors can connect with each other. And this is something that's so important because if you think about the traditional formats of um, theme parks and rides and all of this, you get on a ride, you have a great time, you get off, you leave, and that's that, right? But how can you think about experiencing something together? Because a lot of magic comes in interacting with strangers, with people that you don't know, with people that you have assumptions about, and having those biases broken down because of those personal interactions and connections that you make, you're creating a community in the context of that world. And so that's something that I think a lot of us creators and storytellers in this industry really should lean on because it's something that deep inside all of us want. And when we come to any attraction or experience, we're looking for that. We're looking for that sense of belonging, that way for us to um, take away a bit of the loneliness that we all have, right? It doesn't matter who you are. Um, and trying to find ways to connect with people in meaningful ways. And what better way than to connect with people who are like-minded, who have the same interests as you, you know? Uh, and so in thinking about this, it's really an interesting social experiment of sorts to think about how you can find those opportunities for people to connect with each other so that they can feel like they're a community, even if it is something that is created. When you talk in the book about good writing for immersive experience, it does feel that um, one of the lessons is to be able to pull details from the real world, right? Because at the core, we're, we're creating real experiences that, that we're going to um, sense through our bodies, through our senses, and being able to draw that kind of rich source material of life. 
Does it ever feel to you sort of ironic that we're creating <laughs> fake worlds for people to have real experiences in based on real world learnings as opposed to just sending people out into the real world? <laughs> <laughs> I had that flash reading the book. Like, maybe we should just not be doing this and sending people on hiking trips in the forest or, or mountain climbing or river rafting. Yeah, it's a really good question because, you know, I remember when I first started at uh, Disney Imagineering, uh, my husband is not a theme park fan, you know, and... At the time, <laughs> I converted him. Um, and I think that it was, I remember, you know, when I first got the job and I was talking about it in a social setting with some friends. And I said, like, you know, I, yeah, I'm working, I'm going to work for Disney Imagineering now. And, and you know, I'm going to build theme parks. And uh, my husband had said, I'd rather go to a <laughs> national park. But, you know, and so I, you know, a lot of that, I think, I love going out in nature. I love doing all of the things that doesn't come curated or designed, right? But I think there's a group of people and there's also a time and a place where you want to feel these heightened emotions where you know, where you don't have to really think about, you know, what should I do or how should I feel or any of those things, right? For some, it might be, you know, a way for them to have a place that they can, you know, feel like they can be more of themselves than the real world, right? When you see cosplay and the people who dress up in all these costumes and really embracing their nature, their inner nature, and really wanting to express it in different ways, right? When you're out in the real world and you're kayaking and, you know, hiking, there is no socially acceptable place for you to, you know, pretend that you're a Jedi or play that you're a princess. But where's the places for play that I can engage in a way where everyone else is playing so that I don't feel like I'm a weirdo, right? And I think that that's something that when thinking about creating experiences that draw on from the real world, what's real? when the feelings and the emotions that you're feeling in this fictionalized world are real, you know, the, the joy that you have with the family and friends, you know, going on an experience, you know, that to me is what the value is of all of these created imagined worlds. The feelings are real. You can't fake that, you know? So having that opportunity to do it is key. I mean, I certainly can tell you one of the highlights of that experience for me of Galactic Star Cruiser was the lightsaber training. And to be able to be blocking laser blasts and feeling them hit my lightsaber and being able to wield that uh, weapon in all of these physical positions and, and get haptic response, I mean, it, it was... Transformative. I mean, honestly, I could have spent the whole day in that one experience. Like, I we were there for 15 minutes or 20 minutes or something, and I literally would have been happy to spend hours training <laughs> as a Jedi. <laughs> that's amazing to hear. I think that that's something that, you know, um, the team worked on for so long. I mean, it, in terms of how to get it right, 
because that above all else is is going to be the one that holds so much weight in terms of how you experience Star Wars and how you can feel like the heroes before you, right? We also talked a lot about it not just being physical, that it had to feel spiritual almost as well, you know, because this was such a huge wish fulfillment. And that's a really great example of like, you know, someone having the wish fulfillment of wielding a lightsaber, doing the action and walking away, believing a little bit more that they are a true Jedi or a Sith Lord. Mm -hmm. That was a beautifully produced experience. I mean, everything about it worked. You, The conceit that we're there learning some defensive moves as we're taking kind of a, a training that, that, you were able to block them. The lightsaber color changes, and if you absorb the blast in in the haptic response as you're holding the lightsaber, and then after you've learned to do that, now we're being told that we can kind of block blasts with the force, right? That mm -hmm. we know where they might be coming, and so you do take it to this next kind of spiritual level. And I think as wish fulfillment, I think we all sort of dream that even though we operate as poor farmer boys, <laughs> that we might actually be a Jedi, that the Force might be strong in us, and that someday we might be called upon to do, you know, to save the galaxy and be capable of it. And, and that scene, that ex I shouldn't say scene because it was an experience, that experience uh, left me feeling that way. You know, I remember one of the early tests play tests of this experience, I had made a comment that I really want to feel like I am the chosen one. And in this moment where it's a very small and intimate group, we were able to achieve that because it's this feeling of that you're part of this exclusive group of people that have this chance to feel the force. And being able to do that in a way where you're surrounded by others who want to have that same wish fulfillment, there's an energy and there's a truth in that that is so palpable because you're among your kind. You're among the people that have come to do this thing together. All of those things that we talked about, right? Like, you know, is it personal? Uh, what's the status quo? Do you feel like you have the community? You know, the, what's the truth? All of those elements, I believe, are captured in an experience like that, where you feel like you are truly, you know, special, that you are seen, that you have the special ability to do the thing that you've always wanted to do, right? And especially seeing um, adults and, you know, kids alike, Sharing that same dream is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I enjoyed learning in the book several things about how Imagineers think about designing. Imagineers use a term plussing. What, what does that mean when you plus something? Yeah, um, you know, a lot of what we did at, and, you know, still do at Imagineering is that you want to, uh, you know, plus an experience. And plussing means to add something that's very compelling to it. It's, it's a form of yes and. 
if uh, you, you're familiar with improv, and that's something that, you know, we did a lot at Imagineering too, is if someone has an idea, how do you make it better? And it's a question of what if and why not, right? We're always trying to find ways to plus, plus, you know, an experience. And plusing is a way for us to consider, you know, that's a great idea, but what if we did this other thing? You know, once you have a group of creative people together in a room throwing out ideas and, you know, plusing the experience, it's endless. You know, the, the, um, the number and the amount of possibilities that can come out, come out of it. And I think that that's something, um, you know, anyone can uh, learn and take away in, in, no matter what you do and no matter, you know, what industry you're in. You know, how do you think about plusing or yes-anding someone else's idea? Because there's no better feeling when you throw out an idea in a room and someone says, yes, and we can do this to make it better, right? To make it more amazing. And everyone has that ownership of that idea. It's not just about, oh, whose idea is it? Where did it come from? Who thought up of that? No, there is, there is none of that um, at, at Imagineering and also in many creative places because it is a collective effort. You know, and even when I wrote this book and, you know, I, I really um, didn't want to call it a textbook or a how-to guide, even though it eventually became something like it, because really it is a, a collective wisdom that I learned and, um, you know, uh, I guess interpreted from other people in what made sense to me. And maybe what makes sense to me might not make sense to others, but it's part of your journey as a creative and as a storyteller to take all those various um, nuggets of wisdom wherever you learn it and find your own way, right? And that's something that I wanted to encourage is that this isn't the only way. And I hope it's not the only way. You know, go out there, learn, fail, you know, um, experiment and explore and try to find all these different ways to tell your story in other mediums that may have not been done before. And in thinking about that, you know, how do you create something that's truly one of a kind? Well, I, I certainly had the thought as I was reading through it that not everybody has the budgets that Disney has. <laughs> Not everyone has 140 departments of, at their fingertips to collaborate with and, you know, five years to work on something and, and to go research things by going to Europe or wherever. And what suggestions might you have to, to mere mortals working <laughs> on small teams <laughs> with, with, you know, totally insufficient budgets <laughs> to try to pull off, you know, great immersive experiences? You know, I have to say that, you know, when I think about the definition of immersive storytelling, it's using what's available to you, right? The tools, the techniques that you know, and the materials that you have, the environment that you have. I mean, I always think back to the very first time I tried to create my own immersive storytelling experience is when I... Um, tried to recreate a haunted house mm. in my cousin's bedroom. <laughs> and I used, you know, us as the characters that you would encounter along the way. 
We used curtains and chairs, rolling chairs, and whatever makeup we had from our mother's, you know, vanities, and really trying to find something that would scare our friends when they walk through that experience. So it doesn't require fireworks. <laughs> it doesn't require, you know, a 20-foot drop or any of those things in order to, for you to feel and to be transformed by an experience. I'd love to learn a little more about your background and how you got into being a writer for immersive experience. Yeah, um, I think that every time I think about how I got my start into writing, I, I have to really go back to my childhood because, you know, I think that growing up, I was born in Indonesia and I grew up in Singapore. I lived there for 15 years where I attended an American school and being exposed to all kinds of different stories and different cultures really imprinted me and shaped me in terms of thinking of how I can look at stories through different perspectives. And so when I looked into this world of themed entertainment, it just, that was it for me. It, a whole door opened and it was a whole new world that I stepped into and never looked back ever since I discovered this whole way of telling stories in more than just the screen, you know, in more than just the pages, and thinking about different mediums and formats involving all the senses. How has your personal experience really impacted the type of storytelling that you do? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, Everything that I do, I always have to bring in all of myself, you know, which means it is really all or nothing for me, which is quite exhausting, actually, in, in any project that I'm <laughs> on. Um, I feel like as a woman, as an immigrant, as a mother, as um, someone who was never really able to tick that box of like where I'm from and what race I am and all of those things. I never really had a box to tick. And I think that's okay. I think, you know, in my personal experience of being multicultural and, you know, having been exposed to different people and cultures and, you know, education, academic systems, I feel like it creates a more interesting and unique perspective of the world that I think a lot of people may not have experienced. I've been able to explore different avenues and paths in my life that may not have been afforded to me if I didn't have, you know, the, the background that I did, you know, growing up. The traumas of the past, the, your childhood and all of the things, your past experiences, I think is extremely important for a writer, any writer, to face. And I think that that's something that you have to do. It's something that you want to tackle because no one else will experience that same story, only you. And how can you share that story in a way that is extremely personal, but one that other people can identify and resonate with. 
Well, really appreciate your sharing with us today on the podcast and look forward to seeing your superpowers in action in lots of other places. Well, thank you so much, Charlie, for having me. And um, we definitely have to do an experience together. Look forward to it. Look forward to many. <laughs> thank you, Margaret. <laughs> yes. <laughs> thank you. I'd like to thank Margaret again for being on today's show. To buy her book, Immersive Storytelling for Real and Imagined Worlds, A Writer's Guide, and to learn more about some of the experiences she helped to create, please see the links in the episode's description. And a warm thanks to you as well for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a rating or review on your podcast platform of choice. We greatly appreciate it. You can stay updated on news about the podcast and become part of the Future of Storytelling community by signing up for our free monthly newsletter at FOST.org. The FOST podcast is produced by Melcher Media in collaboration with our talented production partner, Charts and Leisure. I hope we'll see you again soon for another deep dive into the world of storytelling. Until then, please be safe, stay strong, and story on.